Amen. Well, I have my uh, water up here this morning and my cough drops. And I have taken other drugs this morning to keep me upright and able. And uh, I have Roman on backup here this morning uh, as we <laughs> come to worship. I, I have been coughing. Any of y'all with me? I've just been coughing for the past three weeks now. And it's, I'm, I'm tired of it. So y'all need to be praying more for, for me and healing here. But uh, thankfully, so far this morning, I, I made it through the first service. We'll see if I make it through this service. But uh, uh, w- what a joy it is to be here this morning, uh, to be uh, talking about Galatians. We're starting a new sermon series today. And then over the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at Paul's letter to uh, the Galatians. And Galatians is a, is a tricky uh, little letter. It challenges me, uh, it confounds me, and it, it stretches me a little bit. And it, it definitely takes uh, several readings through it to really begin to grasp, I think, some of the, the, the main themes of Galatians. And, and part of the reason it's so difficult to read is because we have to look at it in its cultural context and that can be difficult because, you know, Galatians written about 2,000 years ago. But how many of you are, if, if you're reading the, doing the Bible reading plan that we're on right now, we, you know, we just finished Leviticus and now we're in Numbers. And it can be difficult to read those, those books of the Bible because they're dealing with a culture that is so different than ours. And then it just, excuse me, it can confound us a little bit. And so we really have to stretch ourselves and study as we look at it. It's the same with Galatians as we're looking at its cultural context. So it, it constantly uh, calls me, as I'm reading it, to go back to its major theme there in Galatians. And, and Galatians' major theme is this, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and a big part of this theme of the gospel of Jesus here in Galatians is this idea of freedom. Uh, freedom in Jesus in fact, as you read through Galatians, you almost might get a sense that Paul, Paul's kind of like a general who is charging up the hill, planting the flag of freedom in Christ on the top of the hill, and he's going to defend it till his death. And he's calling everyone to come and rally around this calling, freedom in Christ. Freedom is something we all like. It's... Uh, it's a subject we can, I believe, all get on board with. It's a subject as Americans, we like to talk about freedom. Freedom is something uh, we think we understand. It's, it's kind of, it inspires us. It's a rallying cry. I submit that we like the idea of freedom. But when it comes down to actually talking about freedom itself, it can be, again, a tricky subject. Uh, and we see that in our world today. And so we, we really need to study it. Uh, and, and freedom can sometimes leave us scratching our heads as we look at it. So I approached Galatians this morning with a little bit of uh, a fear and trembling because I want to get this right. And we really don't have time to, to dive into some of the cultural pieces of Galatians and, and how Paul speaks and how he speaks as a rabbi and how he can sometimes uh, make these grandiose claims that are very passionate. So, but we're just going to dive right in. Uh, Paul's introduction was read just a moment ago, but I want us to hear it again. This is how Paul starts his letter to the Galatians. Paul, an apostle, 
sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the members of God's family who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever Amen. So we see here that Paul is writing to these churches in an area called Galatia. And we're not even really sure exactly what churches they were and where they are. Uh, but most likely Galatia is part, is part of present-day Turkey. It's in that part of Asia. And there's several churches that Paul had gone and ministered to in there, in that area. And he gives us this quick summary of Jesus here in his introduction. Jesus, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age. So he kind of sets us up. And then typically in Paul's writings, uh, right after this introduction, he, w- he would say something typically like this. You, you know, I, I greet you and welcome, and I thank my God every time I think of you, and I can't wait to see you again. That's typically how Paul writes when he's writing to uh, the churches But Paul doesn't do that this time when he's addressing the Galatians. Not at all. Rather, Paul kind of comes out with both guns blazing. And he launches into his argument, and he doesn't stop or let up until the end of the letter. And and it's kind of like, I don't know if you've... uh, You've ever, you know, some of the, you're younger, you know, you might remember, you know, coming home from school sometime, and your, your mom greets you, and she starts out, and she says, how was your day? And then she launches into her tirade on what she found out about you. Ever happened to you? Yeah? Or spouses, husbands? You ever gotten home and you're like, hey, how's it going? And you see the look. And you're like, this is not going to be good. I'm just going to stand here and take it. This is kind of the way Paul launches into Galatians. He doesn't say, hey, it's good to see you. He starts this way. He says this, verse 6. He goes this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let that one be accursed. Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I think Paul is making his point clear to us. Uh, In fact, he repeats the point twice just in case we missed it the first time. If any proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let that person be accursed. He's not pulling any punches, is he? And that word accursed, it's the same word that God used when he told the Israelites to go into the promised land. And he said, when you go into the promised land, I want you to completely destroy the people of that land. That's that same word. It means total destruction. So, in effect, he's saying, if someone proclaims a gospel different from what you have heard from me, let that person be completely destroyed, wiped off the face of the earth. 
Do you think that Paul is passionate about this subject, about what he's about to launch into? He is serious when he's talking to the Galatians. And what is this different gospel that Paul is against? Well, here's the thing. And at issue was there was a group of Jewish Christians who were trying to tell the Galatian Christians that they had to be circumcised in order to be part of the faith. Also at issue was the, the idea of eating kosher or eating with the wrong people. You see, for the Jewish people, circumcision was a symbol of God's covenant promise to them. And eating kosher, eating the right foods and staying away from certain foods, was a sign of of them being God's chosen people. But Paul would have no part in this. Why? Was it because circumcision and a kosher diet were wrong? No. Not at all. I don't think that was the the issue at all. Hear this. Paul was not against circumcision or eating kosher. He wasn't against that at all. See, Paul was against adding to the gospel. That's what he was against. Our salvation, our freedom, is in Christ alone And being led by the Holy Spirit to direct our lives. Let me say that again. Our freedom is in Christ alone and the leading of the Holy Spirit. We cannot become righteous apart from Jesus and his death on a cross. We cannot do it on our own. Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are foundational. See, the Galatians were guilty of ingesting, though, a different gospel. A gospel that said that Jesus Christ is not enough. You also have to do this. Fill in the blank. They had to try harder to gain God's approval. They had to do certain things. But Paul makes it clear that we are justified by faith in Christ Jesus. He says this in 2.16. Yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, circumcision, eating kosher, but through faith in Christ Jesus. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. Again, let's go back to what Paul was arguing. I believe he is not arguing against circumcision. In fact, If you read in Acts, Paul and Timothy go to a certain area. What does Paul have Timothy do? Become circumcised. Right. Why? Why would Paul here in Acts tell Timothy to get circumcised, but here in Galatians he is adamantly opposed to circumcision? What's the difference? Well, I think it has to do with a couple of things. First, Timothy was half Jewish, and he wasn't being forced to be circumcised. But... But Paul in Acts, they are going to this group that they're trying to convert to Christ. They're, they're going to these Jews and they're trying to show them the way to Christ. And so for Paul, he said, to the Jew, I become Jewish. To the Gentile, Gentile, in order to win others to Christ. He says, I will do and say and, and, and do these things so that they may receive 
Christ. He wasn't forcing them. But here in the Galatian church, people were coming and saying, oh, to become a Christian, you have to do this. This work of the law. And Paul would have nothing to do with it. Paul was adamantly opposed to anyone who would demand any work of the law for salvation. He said, no, our freedom is in Christ. Christ is the one who saves us. Again, Paul says in Galatians 2, 20 and 21, these words, It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. If our justification, if our salvation came through the law, then what was the purpose of Jesus dying on the cross? Our salvation, our freedom comes in Christ alone. And we are to live that salvation, as Paul would later say in Galatians, through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the message, I believe, of Galatians. Our salvation is in Christ alone, and we should live out our salvation through the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's the message of Galatians. Not, I am against circumcision and kosher. I'm against anything that would add to the gospel. It doesn't matter what it is. So how does that apply to our church today? We really don't talk a lot about circumcision or eating kosher, do we? This is the hard part about it because, again, it's this contextual thing. How do we deal with these contextual and cultural things going on there and here? Well, it can become easy for the church to add to the gospel. And it, sometimes it can become easy for us to add to the gospel. And he, here's what Paul wants us to understand. Our salvation is in Christ. Full stop. So let me give you some examples. Because sometimes we consciously or unconsciously tend to add to the gospel. The first example is one I hear a lot, in fact, uh, of, of many of us. And it goes something like this. Your day starts out terrible. You wake up, wrong side of the bed. You wake up late. You don't have time to eat breakfast. You don't have time to pray. Do your quiet time. Do your Bible reading plan in the book of Numbers. And your day gets worse from there. And you begin to think to yourself, you know, I didn't read God's word this morning. I didn't have time to pray. So God must be upset. Or he's trying to teach me a lesson. If only I'd have done that. Or even worse, I'm not loved by God because I haven't done those things. And we feel like we have to ask for forgiveness. In our day, you know, if only I'd have done that, then my day would have been good. It is adding to the gospel. God loves you. Jesus loves you whether you prayed this morning or not. That has, whether you prayed, it, that doesn't save you. Prayer does not save you. Reading scripture does not save you. Quoting scripture does not save you. Satan can quote and pray. It does not save him. The gospel is about Jesus Christ. That's a distortion of the gospel. We are loved by God. Period. Now I'm not saying that Bible reading is a bad thing. I'm not saying prayer is a bad thing. But if our spiritual life depends on whether we've read the Bible or whether we've prayed, 
then we've set up a law in place of the gospel. The second example that I see uh, often in churches is placing an experience so high up that it becomes an, an extra, an add-on to the gospel. Some churches have even made it a, nece- uh, a necessity to experience God in a certain way for us to truly be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So some churches have said that if you don't speak in tongues, then you're not really saved. You're not really a disciple of Christ. Others say that if you don't worship a certain way or don't dress a certain way, then you're adding to the gospel, aren't you? And a lot of times this comes up subtly. I talked in the first service, in the traditional service. You know, sometimes I run into people that say, oh, well, we worship correctly because we, we have the hymns and the creeds and those kind of things. We dress appropriately for worship, those kind of things. No, that's wrong. But here's the thing. I also hear in this service from people that go to contemporary worship, well, we're spirit-led. They're not. You're wrong. <laughs> Our salvation is in Jesus Christ. Not whether I raise my hands in worship or not. My salvation is in Christ, not in an experience. My salvation is in Christ. Here's another one that is driving me crazy today. Please stop it. It goes like this. If you voted for Trump, then you're not really a Christian. Or the reverse. If you support Hillary, then you're not really an evangelical. And it begins to put barriers between people. And suddenly we begin to judge our brother or sister in the faith based on whether they're a Republican or a Democrat or a Trump supporter or a Hillary supporter or a Save the Well supporter. It doesn't matter. We put barriers in between ourselves. And, then, and that leads to even t- more worse things where all of a sudden we say, well, you know, the Baptist church is okay, but if you really want to be saved, you need to be here. You know, no, our salvation is in Jesus Christ, period. That's that's where salvation is. We always, we often, we're we're tempted to, to say, you know, they're really not saved. They're really not spiritual because fill in the blank. Our salvation is in Christ. Again, Paul is calling us back to the core of what the gospel is. And this is why Paul is so adamant about correcting this in the Galatian church because this is an early church. This letter was probably written in the 40s. And he's telling this church as they're getting started, you know, don't turn to a different gospel. You have to get this right. Your salvation is in Jesus Christ. He's the one who saved you. It is not any work that you have done. It is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. And Paul is opposed to any idea that threatens that gospel. That's the word that Paul has for us in Galatians. And so I'd encourage you as you're reading through Galatians this week, we're going to continue to look at that. Next week, Roman will be looking at the law versus grace. And then we're going to be looking at becoming a new creation and what it means to live by the Spirit as what Paul is talking about in this book. Let us pray.